Welcome to today's Jolt. It's the 13th of December. I'm Sam Morgan, your host. Later in the episode, we'll be looking at how steel is starting to go green and what the future holds for the sector. First, though, let's take a look at the stories making headlines around the world. At COP28, a new draft of the global stocktake was released and adopted. First, let's start with the good. A global pledge to triple renewables and double energy efficiency rates by 2030 are still in these all-important summit conclusions. There is also improved language on fossil fuels compared with the very disappointing previous version. The text now mentions transitioning away from fossil fuels in energy systems and accelerated action in this critical decade. It also says by 2050 instead of around 2050 like the previous text. These conclusions are all about nuance and linguistic trickery. To that end, the new one calls on countries to do things rather than suggesting they could do them. That is actually a pretty big deal. Now for the bad, unfortunately. Efforts to include language like fossil fuel phase-out or even phase-down have not paid off. The text has also become weaker on coal. The previous version included rapidly phasing down unabated coal and limitations on permitting for power plants. This latest draft just mentions accelerated efforts. On that latter point, sources at COP who have been in contact with this morning suggest that weaker wording on coal was essential in order to get China and India on board with the tripled renewables and, most importantly, doubled energy efficiency pledge. Delegates adopted the stock take without much opposition shortly after it was released. The summit is already well into overtime, and there's a general feeling that this is pretty much the best that could be achieved given the circumstances. Nevertheless, many countries used the plenary session afterwards to voice their displeasure with the final version. Brazil, the host of COP30, announced that it will set up a group with Azerbaijan, COP29's host, and COP28 host the UAE to work on reducing fossil fuel use. That's three petro-states banding together in the same working group. So make of that what you will. The European Parliament voted yesterday in favour of promoting small modular reactors, or SMRs. According to a new report backed by MEPs, the European Commission should create and finance a tailor-made industrial strategy for the nascent nuclear tech, while governments should also support it. Work is actually already underway. The Commission is preparing what it calls an SMR alliance, which will aim to get supply chains in line and boost research and development. SMRs are still only expected to be commercialised in the early 2030s. The United States opened a new office tasked with coordinating the government's policies on artificial intelligence. Fighting climate change and boosting the energy transition are among the top priorities. The Department of Energy's new branch will attempt to centralise resources across agencies in order to develop new materials for clean tech manufacturing, managing power grids and predicting weather patterns. Bulgaria opened a new research centre that will focus on innovations in the energy transition. The EU-funded National Centre of Mechatronics and Clean Technologies will focus work on energy storage, hydrogen production and other next-generation tech. The government hopes that it will help Bulgaria become a European leader in clean tech such as batteries and electromobility. Thailand's Prime Minister announced a new target to hit 50% clean power by 2029, up from the current 29% share. As part of a new energy plan, Soletha Tavisan said that the updated target would help attract foreign investors. He also confirmed that he will deny a request by neighbouring Laos to allow green electricity to transit Thailand, 
so Singapore can buy it. Instead, the PM insisted that Thailand will be the one purchasing it. Spain's official temperature record for December was broken yesterday, as the mercury rose to 29.9 degrees in Malaga. Readings provided by non-official monitoring stations also detected 31.2 degrees in southeast Spain, which would break the record for the highest ever temperature recorded in Europe in December if validated. The chances of a white Christmas in Almeria, I fear, are not good. Serbia has been praised for making great strides this year on green policies. The energy community, an intergovernmental body that includes countries aiming to join the European Union, said that Serbia was the best performer in 2023. The annual report praises the government for making progress on unbundling its power and gas TSOs, as well as a new renewables law. Serbia also held its first renewable energy auction and submitted a new climate strategy for appraisal. And Chile's government has agreed to help protect whales from ships. A new agreement signed yesterday between the Environment Ministry, Navy, the Chilean Shipowners Association and the Fisheries Service will impose a speed limit during peak seasons. Northern Patagonia is a crucial breeding ground for the blue whale, the largest animal to ever live, and ship strikes and underwater noises are among the biggest threats to it. That's it for your news updates today. Now let's take a closer look at the story of the moment. Steel is one of the world's most important construction materials. We use it for buildings, bridges, cars, kitchen appliances, surgical scalpels and countless other applications. But like pretty much everything else, it's got an impact on the climate, hasn't it? We use so much of it that it has already become a problem, especially when you consider that the sector would outrank most countries on emissions if it were a nation of its own. That is why serious thought and serious money has started to pour into technology that will help steel go green. This week, in fact, Germany announced 2.6 billion euros in state support for steelmakers in the western state of Saarland, where nearly 15,000 people are employed by the industry. The money is aimed at helping the sector achieve climate neutrality by fuel switching from coal and gas to hydrogen and electricity. Berlin still needs the EU to sign off on such massive state support, but the investment ticks plenty of climate and industrial boxes, so it should just be a formality. This is the latest development in what is definitely starting to become a trend, one which we covered in the new edition of the Foresight magazine. I caught up with journalist Heather O'Brien, who authored an in-depth article for the magazine on steel, to hear more about the issue. The article is about how to decarbonize steel. And decarbonizing steel is a very important issue because it's estimated that uh, the steel production accounts for anywhere between 7 or 9% of CO2 emissions. It's also been sort of grouped among the hard-to-bait industries where there's not the clear path, i.e. difficult to electrify. So I, th- I thought it fitted perfectly because the issue um, that the article appeared in was on power to X. So while um, power to X sometimes is mentioned for areas like feeding or passenger cars with, you know, with hydrogen that, that a lot of people have come to the consensus of our waste of green hydrogen using these molecules, steel is actually a, a sector where it, it will make sense. So I wanted to look at some of the, the technologies that are being explored and, and, and some of the possible pathways to decarbonization. Now, when we're talking about decarbonizing steel, green hydrogen is the most advanced uh, power tech technology. 
that, that people are looking at. There are projects in Europe, factories that are being built using green hydrogen in the production process. Steel today, the typical way you make steel uses a lot of coal, and this results in a lot of CO2 emissions. So if you use hydrogen, particularly green hydrogen, you can cut um, that significantly. The, the only issue, power to X, though, when you, when you talk about green steel, this is something that was interesting to me that I was able to learn. doesn't only mean green hydrogen, though. There are emerging technologies that are being explored. Uh, iron electrolysis, for example. And so rather than um, splitting, water into hydrogen and oxygen, you would split iron ore into pure iron that can then be used in the steelmaking process and oxygen. So it's also potentially a CO2-free method of of production. And one of the most fascinating things I found about the article is that this is actually happening as well. It's not like, you know, other innovations in other sectors where it's theoretical. I mean, one of the articles I did for that magazine was about e-fuels in road transport. The article was basically saying, well, this isn't happening and this is why. So to actually read something where Power2X is actually happening and, you know, there's a lot of money going into it was quite interesting. From your kind of perspective, then, this is really something that is only going to get more more widespread and more financing for it. And, you know, it, it's there's real progress happening. I think it's really exciting. Yes, I, I think so. And I hope so. And the, the first green steel should start to be delivered. Green steel, in a sense, using green hydrogen in the process, should start to be delivered in the next few years. It's already been done in pilot projects in small small amounts. So it's something that's feasible. That's one thing that was sort of um, interesting about the article is that um, steel, as I had mentioned at the beginning, is often described as a hard-to-abate industry. But more than one person I talked to said, you know, maybe that's not the way we should be describing anymore. It's it's perhaps hard to transform, and there are their challenges, but there's starting to be a technical pathway to decarbonize it with real projects in some cases and with startups that are looking into these new power tracks technologies. I think this is very exciting that there is things you can put your hands on that they're concrete developments. To what extent is this like a a Europe-centric phenomenon at the moment? Are there other parts of the world as well that are looking at this seriously? You know, we're always talking about the Inflation Reduction Act in the States. Is that something that maybe is also going to to lead to progress there? Obviously, China is a massive steel maker. Do you think it's something that's kind of just Europe at the moment or the other parts of the world will start thinking, oh, this is actually a pretty good idea. Let's do it as well. Well, a lot of steelmakers are global, so maybe they're they're looking at different ways to decarbonize, and the ways that they are looking may differ depending on the policy framework. Europe, when I think you talk about green hydrogen and the use of steel production, is definitely a leader. They're sort of with a carrot and a sticks approach, you know, with incentives in some cases for hydrogen, and then in other cases the emissions trading system and the the plan phase out of free allowances and the introduction of the, the uh, border adjustment mechanism and things like that are, are helping to push Europe. And in fact, there are lots of green hydrogen steel uh, production projects in Europe. I mean, it, it stands out for, for leading in this area. 
When you talk about the startups in uh, electrolysis of iron, for example, there are U.S. companies and European companies who are leading the way. China is also, I understand, do, doing some. It's not that they're completely ignoring um, the trend. Some of the steel plants that are being built that we can use green hydrogen in an intermediary phase can be hydrogen ready and use, uh, for example, natural gas or hydrogen that's not so green. But I believe that they're looking towards these technologies and certainly buying what's going on elsewhere. From the people that you spoke to for the article, I mean, it, it all sounds rather rather good to me. You know, you get far fewer emissions, same product at the end. Uh, you don't have to pay all the taxes that come with it if it's, you know, according to the CBAM or something. What were the main kind of hurdles then that are stopping from this from really taking off? Is it, is it just money or, or is it something more nuanced than that? Money is part of it. Another part of it is, as we know, green hydrogen, there's not an awful lot of it around right now. As some people point out, an industry like steel cannot absorb all of the green hydrogen that is used. And in fact, it's important to remember that there is no one solution to decarbonizing steel as well. In the U.S., for example, there's been big progress made in uh, decarbonization over the last century because of the use of electric arc furnaces so using uh, electricity. And, and that depends, obviously, how green that is, on how green your grid is. That depends on scrap steel. So while it's good in countries like the United States that have mature economies and their infrastructure needs are leveling off in a place like China or India, they don't have enough scrap steel or anywhere near it to keep up with their, their needs. So the issue comes in um, decarbonizing primary steel. Electrification will also become more important, and it, particularly in these emerging economies that will have more and more scrap steel available. Oh, that's a really fascinating part of it. I, I, I hadn't really uh, considered that part either. I mean, just to sort of give give the listeners a bit of a behind-the-scenes glimpse, I guess, is is there anything that you would have liked to have looked into for the article? But, you know, the word count obviously is the, the king's. You can't go into everything or, or something that you'll be you'll be keeping an eye on for a future article that's linked to this kind of thing. Well, one thing, you were talking about price. For example, a lot of people point out that if I buy a car, once they're available with green steel, it, it won't cost me that much more than, than my my normal car without green steel. The problem is earlier in the supply chain, so looking at ways so that you can sort of spread this cost out so that the person earlier down the road doesn't buy the, the green steel. That's one of the issues that needs to be settled a little bit. Thanks for joining me for today's Jolt. The Jolt is free to air for now, so please do share the episodes with friends and colleagues if you enjoy listening. Kira will take the wheel tomorrow, so please do tune in then. In the meantime, check out Heather's article on steel, as well as the rest of the magazine. Thanks to everyone behind the scenes at Foresight for helping to make the jolt possible, and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of the jolt.